Today's show is brought to you in partnership with GiveSum. GiveSum is a platform that got on my radar last year. I've been watching with anticipation as they built out their solution. What they have built is brilliant. It's an online platform that allows companies who are already giving to seamlessly engage their employees in the experience by allowing them to choose the causes that matter most to them and choosing where the funds are donated. As my listeners know, I believe that corporate giving needs to be a table stakes when it comes to how we as leaders run our companies. And I also know that sometimes those donations and acts of support don't always connect to the people on our teams. GiveSum solves that problem by creating a bridge where you as a leader can now allow your team to select the causes and charities that matter most to them, and then, through the platform itself, receive direct feedback on the impact of those funds. Gone is the need for the once-a-year town hall or a company-wide email to share what causes the org supported last year. GiveSum allows your team to pick the charities and get direct feedback on the impact the dollars had. One of the best parts, GiveSum does not take a percentage of the donation. 100% of the dollars donated go directly to the charity and to the people who need it the most. GiveSum works with your company, and for a set fee, they administer the entire process. If you're already giving, which statistically speaking, you most likely are, visit GiveSum.com and find out how you can get your entire company involved in making a difference for the people who need it most. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my a returning guest, Miss Sabrina Sullivan. How are you doing, Sabrina? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. We this kind of came out of nowhere. All the audience and a little secret. We were just going to have a good old fashioned catch up because we haven't chatted for a while. And you said, "Yeah, Tyler, I you know I can't chat with you this week. I'm I'm down and I'm down in Austin. I'm at South by Southwest or South by Southwest Edge 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 which we'll talk about in a minute." So I said, what the hell? Why wouldn't we, why would we take this away from my audience? <laughs> why wouldn't we record <laughs> this, this for posterity and put it out there? So you are a uh, futurist. I know you are more than that, but futurist is what I love to describe uh-huh. you as. You're currently, you're, are you still working at Ford Motor Company? I still do some time at Ford. Yep. Amazing. And you're working in the Director of Transformation Ecosystem at the School for Advanced Digital with SATE. So th- those are, those, are those your two main gigs? Uh, probably those a lot are of other the two little... main gigs. Okay. Um, my husband says I need to stop saying yes to other things, mm. but who doesn't like a yes and career? Oh, it's, I'm a, yeah. I was told once you're more defined by what you say no to. So I'm still working on that, but it's a struggle for me. It's a struggle because <laughs> you know what happens with yes? I get to meet cool people and do cool stuff. So, but you work as a futurist. So we're not going to spend too much time. Episode. 230. If you just Google Sabrina Sullivan collisions, it'll come up. We go down the road of orthodoxies and the different paradigms that we think about things. And you break it down a little bit to let people understand, I think a little bit, that was my first window into what is a futurist, Uh you know, it's easy to think as a made-up role. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm sure you hear that. Oh, we we do hate the title uh, (laughs) sometimes. Yeah. So you're a sit around and you think about the future. Yes, that's exactly what I get well paid to do. (laughs) Because we're all jealous, maybe that's why. Just prove provocations we're Complain. just speculating on what yeah, it is no i sit on a i sit on an elevated position and i, I wear robes and i speak boldly about, about things right? that may or may, may or may not happen uh kind of does an economist do the same thing anyways let's not let's not draw some comparisons but you just got back let's get into this we've only got we're gonna keep this one a little bit short yeah I, so i say uh south by southwest edu so you were down mm-hmm. in austin tell us a little bit what you what, what what did you see what did you learn what was going on down there mm-hmm. yeah so it was like the decision around South by, um, I know a lot of people revere South by and look at it as like the, like a flagship conference. And so a lot of people are curious what happens. The main conference, which I've been to before, uh, it all got shut down at 2020. So as I've told you, it was like, I'm milking the free coupons that they continue to send to try to make sure that we've derived value from our 2020, uh, investment is that it's like this 
crazy wild intersection of tech, digital, the future, innovation. Like in most cases, people who are there want to be part of the future making side of things. And then there's like, you know, this really small film festival and music festival where you can like find, like fill in the blank, maybe like my love of nineties R and B. I won't really find my like boys to men group there, <laughs> but like the latest and new music that you'll start to see at South by, but, um, before the event starts, people start to come in and there are other events. And so there was this fabulous South by Southwest edu track. So education okay. track and spending the time in Satan being new to Sate, And I'm going to say new forever because I'm only a year and a half okay. in um, wanted to bring like what is disruptive and innovate, innovative coming out of some of the South by thinking around education. And so had a chance to go down and it's it was really interesting. One, because I'm not an educator. Um, it's I'm working in the space of education. So mm -hmm. to see see what people are looking at and the full landscape of, it wasn't just educators there. It was everything from K to 12 to higher education, to industry, to tech companies, to ed tech, to venture. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also a film component to it as well. And so you have the opportunity to really look at these different approaches and probably my favorite is one, you get like panel after panel after panel. So you see people that you would have never otherwise seen. And you get lots of perspectives, but then there are also these applied workshops. So it's really fun to turn a bunch of people who are designing experiences and leading them and then putting them in the position of you're going to learn by doing in some sort of way. And, and one session that my colleague who came down with me, she did uh, design-based learning, um, which is city building, and it's led by Doreen and Frank Gehry. So Frank Gehry, like if you've been to the Pritzker Pavilion in Chicago, like all of like this famous architect, we had an opportunity to hear from them and this this approach around design-based learning and how you can think about systems and how they brought this into schools back in the 70s and that it's longevity to today and how you can use these platforms of city building to even today to have different conversations on energy, on government, because you're taking a piece of foam core, they put a bunch of trees in it, and they then you play different roles. You could be a mayor, you could be the building inspector, and you realize some of these trade-offs and big decisions versus just like a skill of like, this is a job, the decisions and the systemic effects as you're building a city. Because every tree you take out, it's only for a certain time frame. It's not enough time for you to rebuild and put that tree back in. So if the if the students or us start deciding that we want all of these sort of things, we look and we've decimated the green space. We don't have a choice to go back, but we can have thoughtful conversations around what could we have done differently? Or do we have a roadway to be able to get the like pregnant mother to the hospital? If not, then we have to maybe decimate. So it was valuable from like these different experiences and tech was definitely a key conversation and what the future of that imagine. looks like with education. So curious from a, just from an events perspective, you've probably been to enough conferences uh -huh. to sink a ship over the years. Is it the caliber of the speakers, the artfulness and the deliberate nature in which they put it on the experiential side, all of the things like what makes it 
the South by Southwest that, that everyone kind of speaks of in these almost hushed tones because it's so revered as this epic uh, uh, thing to attend. And almost like mm-hmm. if you don't, you're missing out. Like if you don't know, you don't know. Okay. It's like, yeah. it's like what Burning Man yeah. has become. Well, if you haven't gone to Burning Man, I don't even know if I can talk to you. You just don't get it. Is it all the things or is it just also produced at such a high caliber? I, I think it's like the moment that they finish the conference, which it ended on the 19th, the main conference, they start planning for the next one. If not, they've already started planning for it. I can't say like it's always got ways to improve, but for edu- for edu, talking to some of the educators, they use this as a pilgrimage almost. Like it's the sense of community, yeah. especially if they're playing in a space that is emergent or they don't feel like they have a peer. So okay. an example would be Steve, who I met, who's an instructional de- technologist for the Baltimore School District, specifically focused on accessibility and special needs. Okay. Like there isn't a lot of community. So they're like, there is something for me here, which I might not get somewhere else because okay. like they're looking to the edges. And then there's the element of like, you show up and I've never been to a conference where it was like a concert and there, here's the merch table. It's like a rock, it's a rock you, show. <laughs> you yeah. go and it's this giant thing of like, oh, do you have the platinum pass or do you just have the regular pass? Here's your swag bag over here, which we get all those sort of things, but there's that element of tearing, but like, the merch is just something and people are just spending like it's going out of style to make sure that you have some of this merch because it changes each year or it's like here's the legacy from last year to show and identify and be part of it to to what you said like you're part of something um and then the main conference it takes over austin it's it's stampede on steroids um to watch the setup <laughs> of entire blocks being taken over, um, warehouses or businesses being given over to some sponsored experience, Slack, Amazon Prime, like if I can't remember the full title of like whatever, and the six, like Prime Video took over almost an entire block. <laughs> Was it Daisy Jones and the six? <laughs> there you go. Um, I just watched that recently. Block. I'm not I'm not totally ashamed to admit. It was actually really well done. It was well produced as well. Made. <laughs> yeah. And so there are like experiences set up. So it's not just at the conference center. Yeah. It is South by is everything, like everywhere all at once what was the title of you know yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. Everything, talking about yeah, yes everything um, everywhere all at once um like we would we Jamie Lee Curtis was the highlight of that movie for me but it was, oh my gosh so <laughs> there are so many things so yeah, many things um, um yeah thinking about so the inclusion I love um as a hmm. futurist this is a weird question how far do you normally think in the future <laughs> uh it depends because you can action on certain things. So I like, we can think 50 years in the future. Um, but often we underestimate the amount of change that can happen in a short term. So I often push further. So I'll like give myself a rule of like 15 years because some of those 15 year things probably happen in eight. Um, and so we, we just underestimate how much it goes. So when we're talking about some of these things, which there are some key emerging areas that came out of a number of things, it's where are those tipping points? And if we wanted to play the exponential curve drinking game, um, which <laughs> like name a conference that like, thank goodness we're on coffee. That's why we're all jittery. Cause we drink every time we see that sort of like sloping curve is, is we don't, we don't know when that will hit, but you have to think about it because if you haven't thought about it, you can't create it and you're actually 
you're actually more prepared. Actual research has been done that even the exercise of thinking about the future, even your day in the life. If you, if you, Tyler, said 10 years in the future, I am going to imagine what getting up in the morning looks like, whether it's good, bad, ugly, like you are more prepared from just that mindful exercise oh, like that. than not. Um, and so there's lots of research and Jane McGonigal is like one of the leading people around. They've done longitudinal research with these folks that back in the day, before all of this, it was tested on how would people react to a global pandemic and if they had to wear masks all the time. But they've seen from some of the research and the data that these people were more resilient and better able to cope to some of the like larger changes in behaviors or systems because they had either immerse themselves or at least exercise that thought exercise of imagining. I love that. the idea of exercising that, that, mm -hmm. that muscle, if, if you will, to oversimplify it. So with this event, how far in the future, like some of the things that you were encountering or some of the, are these more practical and real challenges that these organizations or some, that Steve from Baltimore that he's encountering today versus the future? Just kind of curious where it intersects mm -hmm. with like pie in the sky, we're going to blow it out and think about it versus like you said, that sense of community coming together, probably more around the problems that they're all dealing with right now. Where mm -hmm. did that, where would you kind of place that event? Or maybe it's all up and down the, 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 the that spectrum. I think there's a mix. There was definitely a mix. They portfolioed it so that everyone can have something to take away today. Yeah. Um, and, and the, there are those small things of like, here's my playbook on how to use um, deep listening to teach economics. So building Spotify playlists and using deep listening to be able to bring economic terms to sort of the everyday economist, not the advanced economist. Um, but then there are further things that are talking about, like what does XR look like in an inclusive and accessible manner? And when you couple that with AI for true adaptive learning to people's needs, um, or in a world where like there's content is ubiquitous. You can get content anywhere and the data is all out there. Um, conversations around what do we do today, but also thinking about the future of what could assistive AI or assistive technologies do um, around a new digital divide? Uh, and could, for those of us that resist assistive AI, what position does that put us in in the future as that becomes a productivity tool, an efficiency tool? And so how do we make sure that we tackle that as it so quickly spurs up? And again, that could be thinking, what does that look like 10 years in the future? But I would say like that's on us right now of how the decisions that we make. And so there's that piece. And then in South by there's a whole track that they call the 2050 track. And so mm, it's celebrating that. a lot of storytelling and a lot of new thinking, but still trends that are happening right now and how they're going to impact industries. And one of, one of my favorites, there were lots on trends and like trends of today, like things that you should think about or non-obvious thinking, but Amy Webb and she's, she's like a South by God. Um, and so if, if you're around that, like everyone's just like, oh my gosh, Amy Webb and her team, uh, like she has one page out of her 800 plus FTI trend report for the year that shows all the industries on, I think the, the rows and the columns are different technologies and it's a heat map for how these are going to impact industries oh, in the near and far. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I will be Googling this after. Right. I'm oh, I'll, I'll send. And, okay, and, please. And, 
and she chunks it. The reason it's 800 pages is because there are these different trends um, lifted up to these different reports, but it's it's very much pushing that we have to be able to focus on some of this. So like we can't just go and just look through a pinhole. We can't do that anymore. But we also are overwhelmed if we zoom out yeah. and we just see chaos. So how do we focus and use this sort of information or other information to start to determine where we need to be aware of things? Where do we need to decide? Where do we need to monitor? Where do we need to act? on this because the act is something that I'm feeling it right now if I don't do this and invest in it now. And those are strategic questions. And that's what I love about some people are like, oh, futurist, but it all comes down to strategy. You <laughs> do can people say of, that, Sabrina? No, come on. Oh, for sure. Like I can send you charts of like, here's the popular futurist versus like the sophisticated. And there's, <laughs> there's infighting in the foresight community, all of that. But it's, it, to me, it always comes down to applied foresight. Like if I am sitting here and just thinking about the future, it's not helpful. If I'm building scenarios that then we can have strategic scenarios that tie to actual decisions, that's that this next horizon of what we need to take foresight is because we have to act. We don't have all of the time and luxury to just think about what the future is. It's coming at us so quickly, faster than it ever has, that we have to start building strategies and acting on it. Training that muscle, I really—that's a solid mm -hmm. takeaway. Like sometimes, yeah, it feels like maybe an exercise in 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 just gazing out. But sure. the fact you're doing that, um, do you encourage? Like you made the comment in, in education or everywhere, we can get access to everything all the time. Mm -hmm. But yet, there still seems to be a need and a draw to these events. And for some, for all of us, as we experience the world around us at an aggressive kind of like boom, 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 like mm -hmm. you get punch drunk kind of way. Do you, are you, are, are you an advocate of these type of events just to throw yourself into these environments where sometimes you like by osmosis, you get forced to run into concepts that yes, it's everywhere. But if I don't know where to go find it or that I even should look for it, I probably won't run into it. Are you a, are you a proponent just yourself personally, your own philosophy on exposing ourselves to these things just for some of that muscle training? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say like, and it's how you use it conference because yeah, yeah. there are many people that get the free conference and they show up and then they, they're just working remotely from the conference and they don't actually engage. Um, or like, are you going to a conference to confirm your own bias or your own hypothesis? <laughs> like that's, that's not what I encourage. And you have to be thoughtful as to how you go. And I go into any of these similar to edu around like, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm curating my choices based off of ones that a translate to what I the so what now what of how I'm going to use it and apply it, but also like the ones that I have uh, like would normally not go because any of these conferences like the newsletter that you get or if you're enabling sort of chat GPT to throw it at you, it's it's that curation that in a world where there's so much content, unless you have your own methodology for it or built rituals to do it it's a help. Um, but I would just, I always push myself, choose the conferences and the opportunities that are going to push your thinking in some sort of way. Um, because then what are you spending your money for? Like you want to have a breakthrough. You want to find those ways that you can question your own assumptions about something. Um, and also meeting new and different people. No person in the foresight community does well if they don't have this really diverse group of people that are just in worlds that you do not spend your time in. Like you have to build community around this. And that's the other piece to some of these conferences is you build community. I have like 
the person at University of uh, Wisconsin-Madison. We've been talking because she works in the Department of Fine Arts and she's in, in charge of all the artists in residence. And it was interesting to have a conversation around how she's bringing arts into it and the fine arts and how she was an instructor. I don't know what this is going to lead to, but it's it's a world that I don't spend my time in. So why not surround yourself with experts that are so passionate about it and I can learn more about it. I love it. Curiosity reigns supreme and the willingness to put yourself in an environment where you're not just getting an echo chamber of what you already thought before. And <laughs> if, if you we need all to hear bring it, a but friend. you got to do it, right? You got to do yeah. it. <laughs> if you need to bring a friend, because in most cases, there are still people, you know, adults that when I go like, yeah, go there, it's like, you'll meet a bunch of people and they're looking for a wing person. They're yeah, like, they're terrified by that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, it's a lot. It's a lot. But when you do do those things on your own, the people you be, it's mind blowing. Like it, even having someone beside you, it probably cuts the people you run into by like 60, 70%. It feels like when you're by yourself, mm -hmm. especially an event like that, where just by showing up, you know, you're already kind of bought into a certain set of like, why you're here yep. kind of thing. Yep. <laughs> um, com community overarching. So curious yourself, mm -hmm. you what did you come back with? What did, what new paradigm you mentioned the fine arts conversation? Mm -hmm. Was there any areas where it really caught you of like, Oh wow. Oh shit. I never thought about yeah, that, that way. It, what, what are some was, of your moments? So one was a panel called higher ed, but it was H I R E ed. Okay. Um, and it was this woman who is focused on the role of chief employability officer okay. at her post-secondary institution. Um, and so she threw out the question of like, whose role is it to ensure that learners coming through are employable? Is that, is that the role? What do you care about? And what are those core employability skills? And it, like, it seemed like a given, but um, industry was saying that they feel like they're lacking and, and they need to be part of it. So they weren't just saying like, oh, educators, it's your job to make sure that they're viable for us. It was this element of, this seems to be something we treated as a last mile problem of like you go through school and then you're supposed to have a job and it should lead to that, um, making it a first mile problem. So even setting people up as learners from day one, some of these things from University of Miami-Dade, they have this, I think it's like bridge program or bridge grant to make sure that there are also diverse folks. So how do we work on employability and opportunities from day one? And then how does industry play into that? Creative in different ways that employability is also an applied experience um, and pushing new and different experiences. So again, like I would say it's like experiences everywhere all at once. It's thinking past just like, here's the content that I provide, new and different approaches for these experiences. So like I'm coming back going like, who is the chief employability officer and what are some of those core employability skills that we talk about that may not even be showing up or maybe they do show up in job descriptions, but how are we translating those into, into experiences for people to realize how they work best? Because we're assuming that everyone's going into the world and uh, everyone learns differently, everyone works differently, and how do you, how do you recognize that as an individual? And those are the questions that this woman was asking herself. How do, how do learners learn how to learn and learn how, how they work and how they're going to show up, um, not as carbon copies, as, but like as their authentic selves to make sure that they land well. Um, so that was, that was one really interesting thing. And then it was just this tension between uh, 
and this is edu, like tension between skills and systems and how when we're trying to address this talent gap, we're, we are definitely, we have to address this skills gap and how we upgrade people. But with sectors connecting with systems, with like everything connecting in some sort of way, how are we doing like applied skills training, but also applied systems training in some sort of way. And so how are we zooming out to know that your skills in that role connect to these larger things or could have those implications? And that was definitely a conversation when it came to thinking about those that are playing in tech. Like if we need the software development skills, we need the coding skills, we need that sort of skills. It's it's the ethical conversation, but it's also like, do we stop to have everything solved or how, like what sort of imperfection are we comfortable with, but having people think in systems. And then, and then I go back to some of this 2050 stuff and just, it's always that sort of like people thinking things are impossible, but there's so much plausible. So there was interesting stuff at South by when it came to, um, how people are using AI to, and like, no code, low code ML models to help with uh, people who were falsely uh, prosecuted and how to get them out of the jail system and actually sort of be able to, I can't re remember the word, it's sort of, you know, being able to get people out and using tools like that and the data that's available. And so what's that going to look like in the future? And then there's a whole host of conversations about AI um, autonomy, whether it's speculation of what does what might formula one look like as we all watch drive to survive if autonomy was built into it and what does that look like and how does autonomy versus i just want to drive look like or back to this assistive technology of like how do we use a confidently imperfect and so like a chat gpt or other yeah, yeah, totally. ai systems confidently imperfect systems to our benefit to elicit new ways of human potential. But knowing that if we don't make this available or people um, aren't able to use it or don't know how to use it, how do we create systems of division as a result? And so these these technologies. So there's like so much, there's so much, or like how do you use good power in leaderships? And that was Ginny Rometty from the former uh, CEO of, of IBM. like. I think the last one that really struck me is some of these films, it was the the voice of inclusion and making sure that voices of, of groups and cultures that have shaped our history, but have often not been written into today. Um, like, what was it? The premiere of uh, John Leguizamo does America to talk about sort of this Hispanic history in Latinx and, and things that I had no idea about and how do we start to reflect that? And those were some of my absolute favorite conversations, which includes, and I will find a way to get them into Calgary. Um, these gentlemen from 90 Collective. So they're a concept design studio out of LA. Um, and their whole focus is one, to have a concept design studio, but make sure that there is representation and opportunity in this field where art and creative and technology are merging. And so, and these are the guys behind designs for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Moon Knight. Um, and so they've got strong chops, but 
what they're chomping at the bit to do is to make sure that the next generation knows there's opportunities to it. And how do we have conversations with maybe emerging locales of entertainment or creative industries so that we don't make the same mistakes as others. Mm -hmm. And we actually shape a future that is more inclusive and has more opportunity and brings these like intersections of science, technology, entertainment, media, and design in new and creative ways. So when I think of Calgary, as we reimagine, we look at diversification. Like I am chomping at the bit to see what does this conversation look like for Calgary? Whew, it's, it's weird. That I was, know. That, I you know, that, was, like, that was a good yeah. one. I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so uh, it circles back to what you said being the digital divide. And as we look at you know, inclusivity and so diversity, equity, inclusivity, all the all the things there. But this acceleration of technology, the technology gap mm-hmm. of who has access and who doesn't. And simply like if you have bandwidth and you don't have bandwidth, then you can get on access to low code AI to solve your problem. The advantages and disadvantages that 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 creates and we've taken race, gender, taken all those things out of it and just made it about access to tech. And like the mm-hmm. reality of that, that's a, that's a fairly overwhelming concept, especially at the speed and the pace and the complexity and the depth of which just half of even what you just touched on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like the other piece to it is um, I am curious as to those groups who maybe in margin, more marginalized communities, mm-hmm. some of this stuff is not this costly. And I'm curious whether there is actually a stronger interest and appetite to play in that space. Whereas yeah. if we have had a position of privilege to be able to work and we're a knowledge worker, things like that, this is the way it's always been. Is there a reticence? So where does yeah. the divide go? Um, and so, so maybe it's not access to the technology, it's openness and a mindset towards playing with these new tools to release human potential. And would this release different and and probably human potential that we have long been waiting for and has deserved the opportunity? Like that's my curiosity um, because yes, you have to pay $20 for chat GPT, but like the folks that are like, I don't know, let's, let's try it. I haven't had an opportunity. This gives me an opportunity for a leg up versus like resisting or not knowing like they're the they're the new prompt engineers that's going to be coaching all of us to be able to actually find ways that we use these tools that is i really like the concept what you just pulled on that thread of like well the privilege of i've always had access to these tools and mm-hmm. why would this be any better or why would i need this or why would it and yeah. i did a you know an all team the other day just chatting about it just like socializing the conversation around ai and being in marketing and copywriting it's a factor and there was a few members of my team a little bit older definitely come from privileged mm-hmm. environments and, and just in their careers and them as humans. And they had very little interest in it. And I was mm-hmm. like, Ooh, that's weird. That's a bit of a red flag to me. What's going on there. And I didn't think about it in the context in which you just said it. And I'm not saying it is or it isn't. It's just maybe go, hmm, yeah. I will ponder this now because I was slightly surprised. And all of a sudden I was like, huh, make a note. I'm like, Hmm, blind spot. Why aren't you curious? Well, you need to be more curious about this. I'm very concerned. Mm-hmm. But what was maybe driving that is where I never even considered the paradigm you just presented. Uh, was well, there a theme? Was there a theme? Sorry, go ahead. Cut you off. I'm jumping. The, jumping we around. may see that. Like, I'm curious whether we'll see that in K to 12 to higher ed. Like, is there mm. is there a future where K to 12 starts accelerating at a point because it's like, well, like my daughter, 
using a 3D printer in grade one, things like that. Some people in high, higher ed still aren't using that or don't know how to use it. Like it's table stakes is, for a six-year-old. <laughs> where is the inflection or the intersection point where we haven't kept pace with like yeah. the agility in other systems when K to 12 is going like, we just have to move fast and get these in front of these students. Is there a point where they're using it more than others? Lots to see, but I would argue through some of the conversations I'm having with some of my senior friends who are, I don't mean senior and old, I mean senior in their business positions mm -hmm. for anyone listening. Um, the acceptance or the lack of acceptance or lack of tolerance for some of their new hires of like, you're making me do what? There's a better mm -hmm. way. Like, well, we haven't done this since grade seven. Like, what are you doing? Like, what do you mean yeah. manual enter into a spreadsheet? Like, I, re I basically refuse. It's not what I got hired for. Somebody's like, oh, geez, sorry. We just haven't had time to automate or to kind of catch up with the future. And they're getting backlash, which can easily be mistaken, in my opinion, of like, oh, you need to pay your dues and you need to. No, there's a better way to do this, everybody. But as mm -hmm. a company or an organization, we hadn't focused on that. And our new hires, typically a younger generation, are not accepting that. And I think that's okay. I actually, I support that. <laughs> There's yeah. an easier way. Let's do that way because that'll Experiment. free me up to then do these yeah. other things. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're totally. slightly frustrated, but the ones that like, they get it like, yeah, I know we've kind of fallen behind and it's an industry and we've just kind of been doing things. Without... Anyways, all the stories we all tell as leaders when you're too busy to, <laughs> to do those things. But sooner or later than all, like the, the acquisition of talent, there's going to be a demand where you're not going to be able to get people because they won't do the old way anymore. <laughs> No, that's no. already happening. That's happening now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lotus it Notes. If you're been still there, using it, yeah. that, yeah, exactly. You're Microsoft done. Paint, not the answer. Yeah. Not the answer to the question. <laughs> was there some sub themes? Uh, was it AI? Was it automation? Was there? I'm assuming every year because technologies goes through its way. You mm -hmm. know, obviously, you and I chatting last October would have had a very conversation than chatting mid December just around AI and the access to Chat GPT. Totally. Yeah. Was there some real clear underpinnings and some themes that pulled through for you? Uh, like it, the underpinning is tech, but AI. Yeah. Partly because, you know, everything's just come out all at once. Um, all over all over the place. <laughs> exactly. And, and like, you know, founders of the MIT Media Lab are talking about it. It's like, I love this analogy from one of the talks where it was, um, remember those glass bottles for ketchup? And like you constantly are hitting on it. You're unsatisfied because you're just getting little bits. And then all of a sudden it comes out at once. And so that's how people were likening like this is AI. Like we were like not that satisfied. And then now we don't know what to do with it because it's it's exploded all over our plate. Um, and we're trying to figure out, like, is this my fries? Like, does it need this? Maybe I put it on my burger. Um, I appreciated that <laughs> It's hard analogy. to take ketchup off, to be honest. It's yeah. hard to remove. <laughs> um, and it's, I love that. It's mm. like. It's in any of these technologies, just how are we navigating um, in a world of uncertainty and the system side of things? And so there was definitely conversations, I would say AI, um, and sometimes AI, there was a session on artificial intimacy um, and how that gets into the side of love. Uh, and then XR and what that looks like and the promises and perils and opportunities there. And then, yeah, it just, it was strong in previous years, but it's this conversation around inclusion. And, and I'm wondering what the inflection point of people are just fed up mm -hmm. um, and looking for something different. And so how does how does that movement progress in some sort of in some sort of way? And so that just interweaves. So it was I think there were just literally sessions where people are like, AI should not be banned like you can't put this back in the bottle. So you have to deal with it. And so name different technology. Um, and then I, I would be remiss. It's like, 
it's with all that, we could focus on all of that, but there is the human side. So like, it's that to what end? How do we help humans? Or like, where do human skills go into it? And human mindsets and how, how can these things offer us maybe the balance? Like we can be productive so we're not manually keying in this stuff into Excel so that... Mm-hmm we could explore the four day work week because we're not spending an additional seven and a half, eight hours to do that. Or we're giving new and different opportunities for people to build businesses because you can kind of get 50% the way there on your business plan through some of these technologies and, through, and through learn collaborating, while collaborating with chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how do we, how do we yeah. use this in like a collaborative effort? Um, and it's, whether it's a teammate or it's a tool, um, there are some interesting questions, but it all centers back to like the human and the storytelling that goes around it. I really love, I was talking, I had a podcast with Lauren Dwyer last week. Awesome. And we, it was great. And like kind of, you know, her, her, Mind PhD, blown. her PhD, oh, so, so she's, yeah, it's, I'm a raving fan over here. I was just like, what, this is making my brain hurt. I love it mm-hmm. in all the right ways, but the human centric design and, uh, but we kind of do our joking. Like, is this the moment? Is this the time when technology finally gives us that free time? It's been promising since the Jetsons, which we both didn't have an answer, but both kind of laughed about. Sure. Cause you're right. What about the human experience here? And I love the, mm-hmm. I was just reading some about some of the companies that experimented were part of the four day work week experiment that they're now pushing out some of the data on. And like, here's how's the numbers and here's how it worked. And they, what they really didn't talk about though, which I think is a missed in your context you just presented is if, if, if eight hours of your week is doing tasks that can now be automated and all the value can still be delivered mm-hmm. in four days, do we just chase the illusion of that extra value on that day? Or do we then understand that that rested multi-pronged human now is going to come back even more impactful in their four days? Like that's where it gets really conceptual, really uncomfortable because mm-hmm. you're breaking old or you're breaking orthodoxies to use one of your words totally. that you taught me in our first paragraph, in our first totally. uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. And it, we're not going to come to an answer. Like we could have a whole conversation, but like we have to map out landscapes of what that looks like. It's not just like, here's the four day work week. Like what does this offer us? Because I think we're really good. And I think we've all felt this, like as we've had automation at lower scales, we've just done more work. Like, so we have to challenge our own orthodoxies of like, is, is this success? And I think, I think Gen Z and follow on generations will call us out on our poop on what (laughs) that looks like. And I really look forward to that. (laughs) <laughs> that is a thought exercise that makes many a leader um, uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it proves yet then that's the, yeah. it's 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 like it's like going to the gym. The exercise you don't want to do is probably the one you should be doing. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not gonna, that complicated. You're gonna be yeah. sore the next day. You're gonna be sore. <laughs> yes, you're gonna know that you're gonna know that you did it. Um, recommendations. Should people go? I'm, I'm, I'm taking an easy yes off this question, but I, I would, I would definitely say yes. And, and take an opportunity. Austin is an amazing place. Um, just even outside of South by. So it's East side and the art and the street art and the culture and the history that has come through Hispanic and, and black communities and how Austin has been built off of that. Like staying downtown is not going to get you the flavor. Um, you will get the meat sweats uh, from all of the great barbecue that you have, but there's so much more and creative and you can see, you can see the connections. And, and I believe like for Calgary, like there are already like 
connections between Austin. And I think that's where Alberta Innovates and a number of other folks see that sort of conduit. So maybe mm -hmm. we'll get back another direct flight. That would be really great so that it's not an entire day exercise, exercise. But I would go bring a friend and be prepared to just be exhausted by the end of the day but like you're going in with curiosity and like i look forward like send me a note if anyone goes like i'm always looking for like you know the the famous person sightings like it is the place to be seen for famous people as much as like us who are like throwing on whatever clothes we got at costco and trying to like you know be as cool as the <laughs> other people that are down uh, in that space oh uh, so hey i'm going there i'm there next thursday for 24 hours <gasps> Because I'm in Houston, okay. then I'm in Bryan for some things, and then I'm going, like my buddy and I are driving there on Thursday morning, and we're driving okay. out, flying out of Houston. So I'm there for 24 hours, mainly the, thurs the Thursday is the day. Top three, what should I do? Where should I go? Uh, Terry Black's for okay. barbecue. Um, okay. Go there early because they have a ton of food, but it starts to come off the list as soon as they run out of it. Okay, um, cool. So do that. Go and walk down the river. Uh, yeah, and then out. check out the east side. So there are lots of free walking tours because some of like Sloke is a famous sort of street artist and graffiti artist. The murals are stunning. Um, and there's a ton of history and great food. Like stop by a taco truck. There's like, there's not one place for tacos and Tex-Mex and a margarita. Yeah. And I know it centers around food, but like, I think that's where I'm okay with connect that. I'm a okay. lot. I've, I, all I've done is I book a, I booked a local speakeasy tour for the Thursday evening for a couple hours. Oh, perfect. So I stumbled on that somewhere. I was like, you know what? That sounds fun. Let's do that. So well, that's we'll the see. only thing I have booked right now. You should ask them about, um, there is a bar in a parkade. Um, yes. That's, which... that was listed in the list okay. of like a bar in the back of a parkade. So, so I did go I there. I did see that. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Okay, so fun. I'm going to be it's... there for sure. I'm there. <laughs> okay. Okay, we'll talk about that one. That was one of our top spots. Okay, bar in the park. I believe that was on like, and a bar in a parkade that you would never find. Yep. Yeah, anyways, that's how it was. Exactly. Like, I was like, I'm sold. You had, you had me. After, <laughs> um, uh, was it Please Don't Tell in New York and uh, Bathtub Gin? So, uh, two and there's another speakeasy I did in, uh, same thing. They the, the little slot in the This one's more digital, so they've got okay. the camera and you have to buzz and then you'll be of able course, to, you know, communicate. Technology yeah. enabled, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. I've done the old retro one or the phone booth one in New York or the coffee shop with the magic door that opens. Totally. Anytime you've got a secret door and a secret access, I am super yeah. into that. <laughs> and there's so much live music. Like, you'll hear it. Just so, just follow where you follow hear the your music. Ear and fo it follow does your not nose. stop. Yeah, amazing. I know it's just funny. It's good timing. I'm literally going there for the first time. Amazing, like, and not for long enough, but whatever. It's a taste. We'll in and out, and it'll be great. A moose bouche. Yep. You'll yes, be back. Exactly. Um, Sabrina, always a pleasure. Thanks for doing our catch up on, on 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 live on the air, so we can share it. And um, always love your perspectives. You always leave me with a hmm. I haven't thought about that that way before. <laughs> That's and, and you the same. Like this is this is why we connect and we have the opportunity to chat. So I love it, and I believe you and I are going to see each other at Mesh. Are you speaking? At we Mesh? are. Yeah, I am, as, I am as well. So maybe I'll. I know the organizers. Maybe I can talk it. Talk us onto. The, I don't know. I don't know what context each of us are speaking at on there, but I'm yeah, sure I we'll be no interacting. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but you know, I don't. I'm never short of thoughts on things, so I'm happy to riff on anything. When they ask me who do you know that might be a, a, a guest, you were you were very high on my list, so I'm glad, I'm glad that worked out. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Very cool. Sabrina, thanks for the chat. Always a pleasure. Love love what you do. Love who you are, and I love the way you make me think. Thanks. <laughs>